Dear listeners, Sai Ram, welcome to our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia Stream, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30 p.m. to 2.00 p.m. Indian Standard Time. The topic of today's episode is Satyam Shivam Sundaram. the life story of bhagwan sri satyasai baba and this was first featured as part of thursday live on june 27th 2013 you're being joined by two members of team radio sai myself prem and with me is arbind and we welcome you all to yet another episode of our afternoon satsang as always and as it is rightly done we begin by offering our most humble and loving pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet and i invite all of you to join this week's afternoon satsang and with great joy i also invite brother arvind sairam arvind sairam prem you know it's really awesome talking about our favorite topic which is swami's life and last week we had uh, reached till the point where swami's glory grew in an exponential fashion after his declaration right and we had come to the end of the year 1943 in 1944 began a new phase in swami's life mm-hmm. and this was the phase of travels okay. and if we see the year 1944 it is filled with extensive travels swami having traveled to many places machilipatnam madras today it's called chennai bangalore today it's called bengaluru then anantapur bukapatnam i mean so many places nearby and far in the states of tamil nadu karnataka and andhra pradesh the neighboring states and so it is uh, recorded that you know through devotee accounts they have narrated and some of them have recorded in their diaries the first ever visit took place somewhere in january of 1944 when mm-hmm. swami visited bangalore and you know in those days when swami visited bangalore it was so different first of all bangalore itself was so different and it was facing you know a lot of uh, troubled times because mm-hmm. if you remember this was a time of the second world second war second world war right and so there were curfews different things in place but which curfew can stop the lord's mission mm-hmm. and so when swami you know went to bangalore he went to bangalore first you know with his shirt and dhoti right. that was what swami used to wear in those days that was when a family which is even today with swami in a big way in the sense they have contributed a lot to the mission and even to this day they serve swami that is the yadalam family from bukapatnam mm-hmm. they are currently based in bangalore but it was the yadalam family in bukapatnam that made the first robe for swami to wear okay In fact the history of the evolution of the robe in itself is amazing. Mm-hmm. Swami shifted from the shirt and dhoti that he used to wear to something called a jubba or a kurta. You know a jubba with a dhoti. Okay. In fact the first kind of jubba that he used to wear was called madanapalli jubba. Right. It was grey in color. Okay. It was made with a cloth called the calico mills cloth. It was mm-hmm. a kind of cloth available in those days. and it was stitched by the pillai tailors that's what it is said but okay those are all uh, little details but after that swami shifted to the robe 
which as i said was made by the members of the yadalam family from bukkapatnam and this robe used to be variously colored for example in 1944 the first robe that swami wore was a yellow robe mm-hmm. but what would happen is so many people started visiting swami the numbers increased so it was sakamma whom we will speak about later who suggested to swami that he should wear a robe of a color so that he is seen distinctly right and that was how swami picked the color that is the saffron or the orange color which we in today know that it has so many more connotations but it is also a distinct color and it is not a color that we see in day to day life so that was how swami actually got this robe in fact you know i was going through a discourse in which swami narrates this hmm incident of him picking that color okay the first time when swami wore that color it seems it was in kadam subama's house hmm. when he wore that robe hmm she was very happy to see swami in that color she said you know it adds to the divine uh, the aura of swami hmm i think i'm not getting the details right but she goes and calls ishwarama and says you know look at satyam how he is you know and dressed up in this robe hmm ishwarama comes and breaks down seeing swami in that robe oh she feels he's a renunciant right because uh-huh. that's a renunciant and I mean, sanyasi. it's been in in, uh, in history. You know, every son who is taken to sanyas has left the mother heartbroken. You know the story of young Shankaracharya. Mm. And for a moment, you know, she forgot. That's what the promise she makes to Swami is: she would no more bind him by the family ties. That's how she says that you have to stay in Puttaparthi. Give me the word. Mm. We will make sure that we don't bind you down. Mm-hmm. But you know, the motherly affection takes over, and she breaks down seeing Swami in that. but that's a color which has come to stay mm. and uh, interestingly you know 1944 a lot of incidents happened just you know going up to that building of the old mandir right correct in fact this year is filled with as we said visits by swami to many homes of many devotees the common focal point if i can say so is that all these devotees were somehow linked to karanam subama or karanam kamalamma Mm-hmm. the two wives of uh, you know the karnam in puttaparthi and it was actually we can say that these were the first two devotees who actually spread word about swami and swami's mission in whatever uh, rudimentary form it was known in those days they spread because it was their relatives and the neighbors of their relatives and the friends of their relatives that happened to arrive to puttaparthi first and then invite swami over to their homes mm-hmm. and if we see most of the relatives of karanam subama and karanam kamalamma were the ones who invited swami to their homes in bangalore and that's why most of the time when swami went to bangalore he was always accompanied by either karanam mostly karanam subama or karanam kamalamma also mm-hmm. he used to take them along to bangalore and uh, in bangalore also you know when he went most of the devotees you know the culture of the place was such that it is considered very auspicious and very wonderful for the family for the future if you are able to call a spiritual personage home and more so if that spiritual personage accepts to have meals at your home right and that was how you know swami was called to different devotees homes and he went to so many homes and when he went there you know because it was first of its kind they had no provisions in fact in one of the homes that he went you know we narrated about uh, our uh, mr narayan sharma mr narayan sharma was the host for 
Karnam Kamalamma's brother, brother at Bangalore. Bangalore, right? And we narrated last week of how Swami showed him the Dashavatar Darshan right. in the Chitravati waters, and also told him that he won't be living long. Right. So when Swami went to his home in Bangalore, mm-hmm. at that time, uh, the first time he went, the Narayan Sharma's daughter, that is Shanta, she describes that Swami came in a horse-drawn carriage, Tanga, mm-hmm. and they did not expect Swami there. So Swami suddenly got down and waved to them and walked into their home. They were very thrilled, no doubt, but they were totally surprised. And uh, that day for morning for breakfast, in fact, they had ordered for two masala dosas from the hotel, it seems. Mm-hmm. So they had nothing else to offer. They offered it that to Swami and Swami gleefully accepted that also. You know, it goes to show that all that a devotee needs to capture the Lord's heart is love. Nothing else. It doesn't matter, you know. He accepted those hotel masala dosas also. <laughs> And uh, there was no place to give darshan. So, in fact, you know, they made a temporary arrangement. They would keep a table on which Swami would stand so that people can see him. And that is how he used to give darshan. Swami was happy. When Swami stayed at their home, he would sleep on the floor till they themselves felt uncomfortable and got a cot or a bed for Swami to sleep on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when the devotee gave the floor, Swami slept on the floor. A cot or bed was offered, he accepted it. You know, whatever pleased the devotee, pleased Swami. That was how he was, that was how he has been all the life. That is how Lord is always. That he'll do anything which pleases the devotee. Right. And you know, another thing which started happening during this time, hmm? very frequently, hmm? was Swami's transcorporal journeys. Hmm. You know? And Swami, I think, wanted to draw people's attention to the fact that he had the ability to go to people's rescue. Hmm. Even though they were far away or you know, even appear somewhere. Hmm. I think even later Swami was continuously doing that but it didn't happen the way it used to happen then. Hmm. Because you know, Swami used to draw the attention of people by I think uh, you should describe falling and typically how yeah, would typically uh, what would happen is there's so many incidents hmm. uh, Kasturi narrates even later in Satyam Shamsundaram when Swami would be talking to somebody and suddenly Swami would fall unconscious hmm. or suddenly Swami would uh, scream out something totally irrelevant to the discussion then Mm. You know, saying that I'm coming or don't worry, I'll be there. And Swami would fall unconscious and nobody would know how, when Swami would come back. Mm. And Swami would lay unconscious. They had to take care of Swami. There were Swami's times, body. body. There were sometimes, you know, uh, when Vibhuti would gush out of Swami's toe, mm. when uh, Kumkum would come out of Swami's forehead. Mm. And they would, with time, they came to realize that every time something like this happened, Swami would have traveled out of his body to be in the presence of some other devotee to save them or something like that. So that started happening quite often. In fact, I remember reading about one certain Navanitam Naidu. Okay. He was the excise commissioner at Bangalore. Mm-hmm. And uh, his wife and children were followers of Swami. I mean, they had accepted him as their lord. But he always had his doubts. Though he appreciated some aspects of Swami's you know, personality. About how uh, all-encompassing, all-loving he is, how practical he is. But he just could not come to accept the fact that he was... God, you know, Mm -hmm. this kind of transcorporeal journey that you said, talked about, Swami undertook one such journey when he was at his home Mm -hmm. at Chamraj Pit in Bangalore. Okay. So, uh, it was about nine o'clock in the night before they have their dinner and everything. Swami said, I'll just go to the room and come back. So, Swami went into a room that had been allocated for him and he never came. An hour passed and nothing happened and they went. They saw Swami was had collapsed on the bed, mm-hmm. on the cot and it was almost midnight by the time Swami, you know, came back from his transcorporeal journey. And uh, when this was told, our Navanitam Naidu did not believe. He did not believe uh, that Swami had done such a journey. 
he had, he was a skeptic he was doubting doubting that swami told naming a hospital in bombay swami said there was an operation that had to be done it was critical so i went there i completed the op- operation and came and gave the details of the operation to navneetam naidu now navneetam naidu being the excise commissioner he had a rare privilege of a telephone at home mm-hmm. you know telephone in those days were rare in india at least right so he found out the number of this hospital and in fact even called up mm-hmm. and when he called to his utter amazement he found out that exactly at the time described there was indeed an operation of that same nature that was going on in that hospital and how that patient had been in quotes miraculously healed mm-hmm. and the operation had been a success after that this excise commissioner too was bowled over he too joined the ranks of the ever swelling devotees of bhagwan shri satsai baba no even as you narrate this how he left it a track that could be traced so that this devotee actually can clarify his doubts mm. reminded of an incident which happened much later you know once when swami just came down when he was with staff and students he declared mm. that i just saved somebody from a heart attack mm. in hyderabad he named a devotee and he said i just he was about to have a heart attack i saved him mm. so somebody called him up and you know wanted to know what was the story and apparently he had nothing no incident to narrate ha huh. nothing had happened to him and he was absolutely fine so this person went back to swami and said swami he says that there is nothing you know what was swami's reply you know swami said when i am saving will i leave symptoms and save hmm <laughs> <laughs> complete like, he doesn't even know that he was supposed to have a attack like that oh you know contrastingly how different it is and you know very interesting thing that you were saying he didn't believe that swami was god in fact the fact was none of those people actually could uh, really see swami as an avatar not many of them had that kind uh, of devotion if i may interrupt you you know you narrated about swami telling that hyderabad devotee i was personal witness you know in 2010 when we had been to delhi mm-hmm. one lunch session we all sat at our dining table and swami was at the head and he was sitting on the table out of the blue swami suddenly said you know i am feeling very tired so we had just come back after a small sightseeing tour to the kutub minar okay and we had come back swami said you know when you had gone to kutub minar i had gone to puttaparthi hmm he said and he said there were so many people who were having trouble in the general hospital i gave all of them my blessings and come all of them are fine now so <laughs> because of that long journey i am feeling tired now <laughs> you know he just mentioned it casually like how we would say that we went to kutub minar and came there was no amazement or there was no show as such because these miracles are all grand and like a show for us but for him it's his nature <laughs> so he casually just mentioned and then the lunch session went on and it was just amazing so the transcorporeal journeys i think continue even to this day even to this day we have so many instances I mean I'm tempted actually to narrate one or two but I will stop that because we'll stick to talking about Swami's story in a chronological order but so many instances where people even to this day have seen Swami appear it's not as if Swami needs to have his physical form present to make the transcorporeal journeys even to this day there have been reports of people seeing Swami with their naked eyes in flesh and blood and blessing them and going it's just amazing and it's nice to know that this history dates back to 1944 right in fact one of the incidents very interesting ones is narrated is swami's classmates in kamlapuram 
hmm. you know are surprised to have a sudden visit by swami hmm. one fine day swami comes and they know what has happened with swami and how swami has given up early life and all that hmm. and they were so happy to see their whole classmate coming back to visit them there were two boys in that household and they seemed swami stayed with them had dinner with them and uh, they went to sleep together talking about the school days and cracking jokes and laughing aloud mm-hmm. and uh, they all slept together and the next morning the mother was preparing breakfast for everybody along with swami and they realized that swami was not there hmm. and when they inquired from people in puttapati they realized that swami never left puttapati at all oh okay so you know and interestingly coming back to that point where which i was saying that not all of them actually saw swami as god in fact an incident which happens much later in the 50s Mm. she just happened to come across mrs rani subramanyam on whom we ran a very extensive uh, series she narrates that in one the, in radio in side, radio side right. you know, what is the name of that for our listeners oh, i'm not sure but ranima series if, even if you ranima series google the okay. thing ranima you will be able to find it it's a series of series. about three talks four talks no it's a series of interview so many hours transcribed okay. into at least i think more than seven or eight parts wow that must be really interesting amazing and and she was a true spiritual aspirant so hmm. the way swami treated her was completely different and you know the way swami molded her perspective is something hmm. which is very interesting and a very good read in that she says you know swami calls her and her sister hmm. in an interview hmm. and suddenly swami surprises them by saying that you know you don't believe that i'm god hmm. so they felt a bit embarrassed because it was true in a sense hmm. they had not had complete faith in swami So they were a bit embarrassed, and immediately Swami added that don't feel bad, you know, it's it's natural. Hmm. Swami said it's natural, you know, somebody who's as human as you comes and says I'm God, it's natural for you not to accept it. Hmm. Then Swami said, but don't remain in that state. Swami said, test for yourself and then believe. Hmm. Swami said, you, but you must test. And that is how actually most of these people, I think, as we come the visions which Swami gave later, in the way Swami. you know one day confidence literally you know you were speaking about how swami said that you find it hard to believe that i am god you know if looking at swami's life i feel there have been two phases first he spent a lot of you know time energy effort and everything in actually convincing people of his reality that he is god people found it hard to accept when they saw that somebody like them is telling that you know i am god they found it hard to accept and then if we see the later half of swami's life again swami had a hard time because now swami was not telling i am god swami was continuing with the second part which is you are also god and right. we found it hard to accept i mean okay swami you are god we accept but how can we be god that was our attitude and there were a few instances like this also at that time there is a story of uh, mr narayan appa Mm-hmm. He was a florist in Bangalore. Okay. He used to sell flowers, and uh, he happened to be blessed to have his shop near one of the homes where Swami would come and spend time, devotees' homes. So a lot of people would come to his shop, buy flowers for Swami, mm-hmm. and go. And he used to often wonder why is it suddenly that you know sometimes there is such a sale. He came to know about. this miracle boy from puttaparthi who is visiting a home he wanted to know whether he can offer some flowers they told him yes definitely you can and when he went and offered flowers to swami mm-hmm. swami materialized vibhuti for him and applied it on his forehead and he says that joy and peace that he experienced within he knew for sure that swami is something special 
so the first part is accomplished when he says that he is something special and mm-hmm. we are not able to accept it this was not a problem so much so that this narayanappa you know later he comes to puttaparthi and when he comes to puttaparthi he comes with five of his friends also okay swami takes all of them along to the banks of river chitravati and from the sands of chitravati he says swami produced mysore pak a sweet mm-hmm. and it tasted so good that he says that he was reminded of hotel you know the gundappa's hotel it is called in bangalore even mm-hmm. today it is famous for the badam halwa and the sweets that he makes gundappa's hotel and he's having a 100 year old history mm-hmm. so he said that these mysore pak tasted like gundappa hotel he first wondered how did swami get them from gundappa's hotel <laughs> but then from the sand mm-hmm. he says his friends were so doubting that in fact they dug the sands many time to see if there are some mysore pak hidden but even if mysore pak is hidden when swami takes it there's no sand sticking to it and it's hot and soft that is what they could not understand so he says his five friends were always trying to replicate or duplicate what swami is doing thinking that it's a magician and let me also try to learn the secret behind the trick mm-hmm. but over time you know swami gave them a tour of puttaparthi took them around did so much that he won their heart over completely and you know one interesting aspect that this mr this florist narayanappa narrated was mm-hmm. one of his friends became so enamored with swami and fell so much in love with swami as a divine personage that he decided that he wants to spend all his life in puttaparthi Mm. Okay. And then he packed all his bag and baggage from Bangalore and arrived at Puttaparthi. Within 8 days, you know, as I said, those times Swami did a lot of travels. Swami made a short brief visit to Ch- Madras mm-hmm. and then came back to Bangalore and dropped back this friend and told you stay here for some reason, you know. And Swami returned back to Puttaparthi. Then this friend lost an uncle of his. Okay. means his uncle passed away and he was unable to bear it he rushed to puttaparthi and he said swami your god you can bring my uncle back to life and in at that time what was swami's reply swami said bangaru there is no difference between you and me we both are same why are you telling me to do if you can't do it so he said swami no i mean you are different from us you are see again there you know swami is trying to like it's like the descent of god for the ascent of man and then this narayanappa narrates that his friend whose name was also narayanappa mm-hmm. he had a fight with swami he got upset with swami it became a big scene he said what is this you are telling you can't bring him back to life i want you to bring him back to life he fought and left with a huff and then this floris narayanappa says that he felt very embarrassed that he had brought somebody and the scene got created so he felt ashamed to show his face to swami and prem that is the play of fate if we can call it mm-hmm. that was in 1944 you know when next florist narayanappa came to swami in 1995 my god 50 from years. 50 years he repented he felt bad but he said but i felt like that and therefore i never came to see swami again means i felt embarrassed to how i'll show my face because all this has happened but that's the way it is but that was another interesting incident that happened in the 1944 and interestingly you know that's what is uh, mentioned in satyam sundaram also where kasturi says that swami went to bangalore and stayed with so many of these people mm. and many of them were of swami's age so swami had a very friendly rapport with them mm. and you know they used to show swami uh, around they took swami to mysore and bangalore and all that mm. and swami wanted to reciprocate that hospitality swami mm. said 
you come to puttapatti i'll show you around in puttapatti okay okay <laughs> that's so many of these people actually got to come to puttapatti and visited puttapatti hmm and i think around this time only the beginning of how sheshagiri rao the first priest of the prashanti mandir you know would have happened because, because during that, one of swami's visits in bangalore ha huh. his daughters actually see swami and okay. are invited to puttapatti no when you said about swami showing around and being friendly you know i was reminded of the experience of a certain vishwanath rao mm-hmm. now this person came from anantpur okay and uh, swami used to call him as patala abbai mm-hmm. because he used to sing well and that is how swami used to name them so he had named him as patala abbai how he came to swami was his sister you know kalavatamma actually they say she was possessed by some spirit evil spirit and all that so there were certain times in the day when she would be very crazy and violent and all that so in order to get a cure for her they brought her actually like in the other time she is fine she is normal she is everything is okay only those small brief periods when she gets this attack mm-hmm. so of being possessed by some spirit I remembered Vishwanath Rao because Swami was like a friend mm-hmm. same age they were so like a friend and again you know Vishwanath Rao's parents were like Swami's parents in age okay and so Swami treated them that way in fact you know when they came to Puttaparthi first this Kalavatamma the sister when she saw Swami she was shocked with his appearance and this was a time you know when Swami's hair was little parted and mm-hmm. very different nobody will see like that so she was thinking oh my god he looks like a madman he looks like a madman this was her thought and when swami comes and sees vishnu nadarao he blesses him and goes straight to his sister looks to her in the eye and sternly asks you think i am mad you think i am a madman and you know she was shocked at swami's omniscience how did he know what i was just thinking in my mind mm-hmm. in fact later on when she gets that attack of being possessed mm-hmm. vishnu nadarao requests swami and swami only exorcises her okay all the first people who came with problems were either medical problems or problems of being possessed by evil spirits mm. and swami had an elaborate ritual where he would exorcise these ghosts and allow them to have happy free lives after that mm-hmm. so that was how vishwanath rao came and later on you know swami visited vishwanath rao's house in anantpur and when he went there this informal relationship with the family continued in fact at that time some more such things happened at their home where they felt that it's being possessed by a spirit swami said i will stay here for a few days after that you will never be troubled by any spirits mm-hmm. and swami stayed there at their home and can you believe it prem when he stayed there it seems swami would be the first person to wake up in the morning he would clean up the home mm-hmm. clean up the altar worship put the flowers for worship keep hot water ready for vishwanath rao's parents to have bath <laughs> and then sit there in fact every time the parents would wonder how wonderful it would be if they had a son like swami because <laughs> so dutiful so wonderful he was he has done everything by example so that was yet another devotee who happened to come when you were telling about sheshagiri rao mm-hmm. and that informal relationship i remembered this right so i think uh, maybe now we should come to that point where you know the old mandir was being built how that incident happened of you know how the old mandir was built but i think before that we will just take a sh- short break okay and we will listen to a little song and we'll come back because that's a very interesting episode and lot of incidents are uh, i think uh, related to that building of the old mandir
ಕಮಲವದನ
the interesting thing is you no know, all this so many incidents we are narrating and so many people coming and each one having something revealing in their life happening hmm. all this was happening in a span of less than a year <laughs> right 1943 as we were seeing and with 1944 all these things are happening hmm. and swami is from his home partly shifted to subama's house as we narrated he has also had that short stay in that hut which was Correct. built for him and that uh, they tried to burn down the hut in all this and still swami was spending most of the time in uh, subama's house as you know uh, there and was that, that was the only right. big house available also right and there was that interview room if swami wanted to converse with somebody mm. and uh, in fact that is how the chitravati session started because you know swami felt that in the evening he wanted some open space where more people can sit more relaxed instead of in the house the whole gathering shifted to chitravati and that became a speciality after that mm. but you know around this time they found a need for you know swami to have a space of his own mm. in fact that's when all these devotees who started visiting swami apart from inviting him to his place also suggested that he comes and actually stays with them exactly so many happened not only stay with them they were even ready to build a separate home for right. him for basically asking swami to relocate yes for example the yadalam family from bukapatnam they had the necessary resources so they were ready to build a home for swami either in bukapatnam or in bangalore they were like why don't you come over there and settle and same thing that sakamma that we are going to speak about right. she also offered to build she had coffee estates of her own she had a lot of wealth so she wanted to build an ashram for swami in bangalore at the same time one more spiritual personage that we spoke about swami chidgananda from kottachervu right you know he came up with the idea that why not swami take over my ashram after me and make this only you know so <laughs> he also was in search of a successor this was about sometime in 1945 when karanam subama had started falling very ill right so karanam kamalamma she went and discussed with karanam subama that you know everybody is making effort to take our swami away from us <laughs> and so we should retain swami with us and therefore they decided that a piece of land which they owned they would give it offer it to swami so in fact it was on the 20th of july 1945 mm-hmm. that uh, through a person who writes docu- a document writer at bukapatnam they went to the sub registrar's office and had this document written mm-hmm. in fact there are copies of this sale deed you know okay i think it you was, should share the details of that because there is so beautiful what you were sharing yesterday really it is so beautiful because in that it writes uh, i mean they have stated mm-hmm. that this is a piece of land 33 cents 100 cents make 1 acre okay so 33 cents about 0.3 acres of land which is worth rupees 50 <laughs> okay in current standard it's not even 1 dollar you know 1 dollar is 60 rupees <laughs> so rupees 50 and then they tell that this we are offering to first they tell uh, write his name as satyanarayana mm-hmm. and after that all references made to him are as swami okay i think this is possibly the first documentation where swami has been referred to as swami mm-hmm. so they're telling that this is being offered to swami to be used by all the devotees who visit him on this land so that the devotees win merit and redeem not only their lives but also the lives of all their future generations and everybody in their family <laughs> this is written in the sale deed okay i mean it is for this purpose that it's being given and therefore neither me or subama 
nor any of our future you know dependents or family will have any claim on this land and they have also demarcated the land telling that it is bound on these two sides by this street it is bound on the southern side by the venugopala swami temple if we see that is where currently the pathamandiram is right or to the uh, south of the pathamandir is the venugopala swami temple so all that and that is how the registration was done they came to swami and said swami this is yours please <laughs> accept it please stay in puttaparthi <laughs> you know all this is swami's will materializing because ishwaramma's prayer was that swami's promise was that that i'll never leave puttaparthi so this was his will materializing and that's what he got but the interesting thing prem is you know as you you also shared with me yesterday that when all this was happening and they wanted that is only the land after that you know some of the people came together and it took them 3 4 weeks to build up some kind of a room for swami to stay on this piece of land all this while swami had actually stopped staying at karanam subama's home because so many people were feeling jealous and they were feeling upset that a bhatraju that was his caste right. a lower caste staying in a brahmin's home using the brahmin's kitchen it is not right in fact they did not want swami in the village itself that's why this piece of land also is located in the outskirts of the village right. <laughs> okay and today actually if we see the village seems to be in the outskirts of puttaparthi <laughs> exactly <laughs> because it's everything revolves around swami swami is the center not only of puttaparthi but of the universe that's what's been happening all through somebody was telling me the history of the road which the main road which leads to puttaparthi okay you know the road which we all take from the hospital towards the airport hmm. you know actually that road was not a connecting road at all hmm. initially the road was the road which goes through brahmanapalli and all those places the road which goes straight from puttaparthi correct but again there were people who didn't want to give that land to swami they didn't they didn't want to give you know their land to or expand that road and that is when actually swami proposed that a new road be made okay and now we don't know that road at all yeah the brahmanapalli road ha huh? <laughs> this is the road actually you know I, i still remember the first time when we came to parthi that board is you know welcome to the ashram of bhagwan shri satyai baba and we huh. welcome all devotees like that is the road which leads to heaven for millions of people now and the road which was not offered to swami is neglected and nobody knows about it now in fact now if we look back and if we think it's like that poem that we read of rabindranath tagore where he says that emperor you remember that con of right yeah i think you should and i don't know the exact one he says the beggar you know at the day's end he is waiting for the emperor to come no he is sitting by the roadside hmm. and he's just seeing his day's uh, you know co- collection or whatever it is and that's when he sees the chariot come by and hmm. there is seated the emperor of all emperors and he sees that scene and he says my day is made all that i have to do is ask him maybe i need not beg anymore because he'll fill my uh, coffers you know, coffers yeah and he says that he readies himself straightens up and waits for the emperor to come the and to his delight the chariot stops by and the emperor descends and comes to him and he says before he can ask the emperor the, am- the emperor puts out his hand in askance hmm. and he says what kind of a kingly jest is this ha huh, mocking you know, me asking for me for a king to beg from a beggar and he says in disgust i just take a few kernels of corn hmm. and throw it in his palm and the king looks at it smiles gets onto the chariot and walks away and in the night when he empties the bag of his you know he finds Day's as many yeah as many kernels of corn he threw to the emperor that many have turned into gold and, and tagore you know leaves it with a punch he said when the emperor asked if only i had given if my I, all if only i had given my all <laughs> really prem 
in every sense anything that we give to the lord we offer to the lord reaches the highest kind of sanctification if only you know now today if we just look back think practically if they had parted with those little lands for the road to be made they would be on the highway to heaven and i mean think in every sense uh, from a commercial point of view from any point of view they would have all have prospered it would not have been on a road that is today neglected <laughs> a new road that was made has become the main road now that is what actually exemplified the life of both karnam subama and kamlama because that is what they actually lived to prove they offered everything to their lord right. i am sure you also remember during the 60th birthday celebrations of our lord he gave away 60 homes to the needy people and that whole area he said it should be named karnam subama nagar karnam subama is immortalized because she gave her everything for the lord and in fact you know as you said that was the time when she was already ailing and she had moved to bukapatnam because her mother's house was there and she mm. was staying there and she was being taken care and as you said there's another interesting in- incident which happened maybe before we come to subama we should finish that mm. the land was given the construction had started so when this before, happened prem uh, where was swami staying actually i think they had made a makeshift mandir uh-huh. before the hall came up i think that was a time when swami would suddenly vanish into the forest and all that right ah okay there is a uh, account which says that near the hills and forests of jankampalli that comes after karnataka nagapalli right. there's a village called jankampalli in between these there are a lot of hills here so swami used to stay there hmm. in fact uh, for a few months swami stayed there because he did not want to embarrass karnam subama because everybody in the village have turned against her in fact when uh, karnam subama because she had property even in bukapatnam she wanted to relocate swami there the people of bukapatnam revolted oh. they said we don't want he will bring bad name to our place <laughs> i mean they had no idea that here was the being who would put their village into the international map into books into the sai bhagavatam today bukapatnam everybody knows because it, it's associated with sai Absolutely. and therefore swami had to spend time in middle of nowhere actually in fact that was why you know during that period when old mandir was being constructed swami did a lot of travel also swami ah. first traveled to places like uh, chennai madras that time bangalore machili patnam correct but you know an interesting incident happens during the ground breaking ceremony or the foundation stone laying ceremony of the old mandir mm. and i think uh, some of these devotees from bangalore were the ones who mainly Uh, contributed, contributed to it yes there was mr sheshagiri rao right prem uh, we'll come back to that incident that you're telling about the ground breaking ceremony mm-hmm. before that just because we mentioned sheshagiri rao sheshagiri rao and his wife played a very important role in swami's mission and also in building of the first mandir for swami right. in fact they contributed a lot and uh, they came to swami because they had a son mm-hmm. who had one leg shorter than the other tirumal rao you mean Oh yeah I I'm, I'm <laughs> right. sorry I got confused with Sheshagiri and Rao and Tirumal right. Rao. You're talking yes, about Tirumal. I'm talking Rao. about Tirumal Rao. Right. Yes, one of the people who contributed to the building of the Tirumal mandir. Tirumal Rao from Bangalore. Right. Tirumal Rao from Bangalore. He was a horticulturist. Okay. In fact, uh, there are photographs of Swami at Tirumal Rao's home mm-hmm. and you can see that Swami is surrounded by an ocean of flowers. Okay. So you can make out what a kind of passion he had. In fact, in Lalbagh in Bangalore where horticultural shows are held, a lot came from Tirumal Rao's gardens mm-hmm. and he has won prizes and he has exhibited many of that also. So, he came to Swami because his child had one foot shorter than the other. 
Okay. And Swami blessed and told the couple not to worry that their child would have a normal life. He even materialized a talisman for the child. Mm-hmm. So though the child did not recover completely, it indeed had a normal life, as Swami said, and went on through. And after that, they became staunch devotees. Mm-hmm. And yes, you were speaking about Sheshigiri Rao. Right. And of course, Sheshigiri Rao. I think we have mentioned about how he came on many occasions before. How Correct. he refused to come, and how for him also the main problem was here was a Shatriya boy, and I am a Brahmin, and uh, he is a staunch worshipper of Lord of Shiva. Lord Shiva, hmm. and that's when he comes as an escort to his daughters, who have seen Swami in one of Swami's trips to Bangalore, and they invited to Puttaparthi, so they take that treacherous journey, and they come, and he's so upset with this whole family for wanting to come to this person, hmm. and then the story goes like the first time he sees Swami. he has the vision of shiva he and he passes out for two days he's unconscious and then when he wakes up he says that i'm going to be here 50 years i worship shiva and i see shiva i'm not so senseless to leave him and go and that's how he comes to stay in puttaparthi ever since that thing and he becomes the official pujari of swami what a story right prem a person who said that i'm coming to puttaparthi only as an escort i don't want to have to do anything with swami decides to never ever leave puttaparthi in his life again and that's what he did till he passed away in fact they say that you know he was in service he was not even a retired gentleman he was still in service he took voluntary retirement even without going to bangalore and hmm. he stayed on with swami and uh, you were mentioning about the ground breaking ceremony right. of the mandir so when all these people devotees like tirumal rao and all these others who were helping swami to bring up this first mandir for him hmm and that was a very very beautiful incident happens when they dig at a particular spot to lay the foundation stone they unearth close to a dozen of what do you call these lingam peetams the base on which the, the shivalinga is installed and without the lingam they only the huh. peetams the hmm. empty you know hollow peetams and they wondering who put it here and someone just asks swami that swami why only the peetams are here where are the lingams hmm. and swami smiles and points to his stomach and says the lingams are here Wow, and no wonder that later right. on during Shivratri, all the lingams came from there itself. Right. I remember reading this episode in Satyam Shyam Sundaram, and uh, the person involved there who was digging has been named as Guni Venkata. Right. He was a hunchback. A Guni in Kannada in Kannada and Telugu means uh, one with the hunchback. Right. He was the man who was digging, and he unearthed the th- these things. So this was one of the incidents which happens during that construction time. And as I said, after this, Swami starts traveling to. Uh, and uh, uh, I, uh, I, we forgot Prem. One more wonderful episode that takes place during this time, mm-hmm. as the mandir is being built, when Swami is traveling. You know, because it's being built, Swami travels different place in Bangalore. Is the episode of Krishna Murthy, the clerk. Right, right. We have narrated this in a different context, but in this context too, we'll let us narrate this beautiful story where he was a civil services clerk in the Mysore Secretariat. Okay. Before the state of Karnataka and Andhra came, a large region was called the Mysore state of state, Mysore. Right. Yes, and he was a clerk there, and he used to often attend. He became a devotee, and he would follow Swami to different homes. Mm-hmm. And he was a bhajan singer. He would sing bhajans. Right. Then one day he had, you know, he had a kind of inspiration, inspired bhajan session. At the end of which he went and held Swami, and he said, Swami. I know you are not who you appear to be. Mm-hmm. I know you are the supreme. Please grant me that darshan. Please grant me that darshan. He pest began to pester Swami, almost like that. And so Swami materialized a picture of Shirdi Baba for him, 
and told him you worship shirdi baba you worship this picture and i will take care mm-hmm. swami tells him i will come back and i will grant you what you want okay so swami gives him the shirdi baba photograph mm-hmm. and leaves to visit some other devotee's home and krishna murthy is sitting in meditation and worshiping and it's almost around noon when swami returns and when swami returns when he is passing by the area where krishna murthy is sitting with his picture mm-hmm. krishna murthy screams out and falls in a swoon okay he falls unconscious and when he comes back to consciousness he refuses to open his eyes mm. he says i want to see my lord i want to see the lotus feet of my lord mm-hmm. until i see that i won't open my eyes i won't open and seeing how vehement he is some of the devotees go to swami and tell swami please come there and you know do something <laughs> take care of him swami refuses to come he says you take him home tell him i will give him what he wants at home mm-hmm. and then swami also reveals he won't be able to take that surge of joy that comes from the experience okay and therefore it is not the correct time now take him he is taken away home swami materializes teertham mm-hmm. water and sends it for him and uh, swami also sends vibhuti for him mm-hmm. and swami tells him to mix that vibhuti in the water and feed it to him that goes on for so many days he gives up food and drink too Mm-hmm. because he just wants only swami sweet swami sweet so much so that he is admitted in a hospital because of his weakness okay swami again sends him teertham with vibhuti after which miraculously he gains strength he returns back home and he calls everybody and says do bhajans and as he is singing bhajans he closes his eyes sits peacefully with a smile on his face and never gets up again and that's how he reaches the lotus feet of the lord without actually having seen the lotus feet of the lord itself you know we had narrated this in a previous uh, instance where pining is more pining important than more actual important. chances because how many times have we seen the lotus feet of our lord touched it but well it is the pining that matters there krishna murti the clerk did not even touch or see swami's feet after that pining came that pining itself was enough to make the river meet the sea This also happened in this period in 1944, and, and know, it's beautifully recorded yeah, in Satyam Shamsundar. Talking about this Machili Patnam and Chennai visit, hmm. Madras, which it was the state of Madras and the city of Madras. Then, hmm. you know, two very interesting incidents happened in Machili Patnam. Machili Patnam is a town which is close to the coast, hmm. and it is you know known for its fishing communities and the economy is based around the coast. Hmm. So when Swami visited a family there, Swami goes to the you know beach with the family. and they're all there and they're having fun and suddenly they find that swami is missing okay and they didn't realize that swami is not around and then they hear somebody calling to them and the voice is coming from the the waters hmm and when they look actually swami gives them the darshan of vishnu lying on the adishesha adishesha in the middle of the sea wow that is just like vaikuntha darshan vaikuntha darshan wow <laughs> and you know that was one incident and on another day when they went to the beach it seems swami took a silver cup and flung it far into the into the sea hmm. okay and as it would always it would happen you know the wave brings back the cup and kind of places it in swami's in front of swami hmm. so swami picked it up and it obviously had some water in it hmm. but when swami distributed that water they realized that actually it was amritam it was the nectar wow you know prem when you narrated this i was reminded of another incident that uh, i'm sure you also heard it from our teacher in vrindavan 
this happened after the college had come up actually you know mm-hmm. swami once visited the hostel and in the kitchen you know all the boys would help in rolling the chapatis and frying the puris right so when this was being done one day a sweet was being made which is made just like a puri you know puris right. fried dough so you take the dough you ro- you roll it and then fill it with the sweet and then fry it and that's the sweet that is being made so when swami went there he took the dough and he began to roll it after rolling it he folded it he neatly folded it in the shape of that sweet and then he went and told the person frying the sweets to fry that at that time you know the boys pointed out swami we didn't put the sweet inside right. so that's called purnam right swami we didn't purnam petale the filling the <laughs> filling we have not done the filling swami said just fry it and when it was fried it was taken out swami broke that sweet mm-hmm. i mean i'm telling it sweet but swami broke that fried piece into two halves and lo and behold inside it was filled with sweet and swami said whatever this hand touches becomes purnam it's so significant the statement because on one hand purnam means the sweet means anything that swami's hand touches becomes sweet and on the other hand purnam also means in sanskrit completeness, completeness. wholesome anything that the lord's hand touches becomes wholesome and when you narrated that machilipatnam incident it was exactly that even sea water ocean water which is known to be salty once the lord's hand touches it even that becomes sweet our lives too become sweet because we have been touched by the lord and that was what swami did you know we are talking of incidents where swami gave visions and swami did things which nobody could do hmm. but at the same time swami was you know though we are not narrating it as much as we are narrating these low and behold incidents hmm. swami was you know in a very very inexplicable manner attracting people hmm. just through his love and one very telling incident which you know satyam shyam sundaram part 1 narrates is hmm. and swami goes to chennai swami is staying in a house hmm. of a rich person and opposite that house there is a very humble cobbler who's sitting there hmm. you know he's having his box the shoe mending box or whatever hmm. and he sees that there are so many people who are coming to this house and you know he's wondering suddenly there's so much of uh, activity in this house so many people are visiting cars are coming and, and then he finds out that there is somebody who's staying there who is attracting all this crowd and there's somebody who is a very divine personage so what he does is one day he just packs up his things and he sneaks into that bungalow Mm. and from the entrance he looks at swami okay mm. and in his hand is a shriveled and dry garland because that was a time when people used to go to swami with garland and flowers and fruits so he goes there and swami sees him okay mm. and swami gets up from the throne which was kept for him and comes to him and he is surprised because he never thought that he could even go near swami because of all these rich people around him but swami comes to him and swami takes the garland from him and swami asks what do you want okay and no one knows what went into his mind and he said swami will you come home the cobbler asked swami the cobbler asked swami swami <laughs> will you come to my house and accept something oh god hmm and swami without even a moment's hesitation swami says yes i'll come hmm i'll definitely come home and swami goes back and takes the seat and the virgins are going on and after swami goes and sits you know he's so enamored by swami's beauty and swami's elegance hmm and later it strikes him oh i didn't tell swami where my house is and i didn't okay. ask swami when he is coming okay so he waits till the whole session gets over but then he realizes that he has left all his wares on the road and you know it could get stolen so he runs back hoping that you know by the time the bhajan session gets over he can come and tell swami 
where his house is hmm. so he goes back and then when he comes he's not allowed inside the house okay so he tries telling people that you know i invited swami home and swami said he'll come hmm. and people laughed at him he said what do you mean swami is going to come hmm. to your house hmm. and you know they dismissed him and he goes back to his place and then swami moves on swami you know leaves that bungalow stays somewhere else so he says that okay maybe you know swami just was trying to be polite to me swami okay. didn't mean what he did and you know, swami was just trying to be kind and uh, not be snobbish so one day he was sitting there and suddenly he finds a huge car comes and stops in front of his shop and the first thing that occurs to him is, is some police car which has come to clear the street okay okay so he gets scared and he's about to run and the door opens and he sees swami sitting there Wow. Okay, and Swami smiles at him, and Swami says, "Get in." Okay. <laughs> okay. So Swami visited his shop in front of his home. Yeah. So Swami gets him into the car, and mm-hmm. so he gets into the car. Swami is sitting behind, and he is so shocked. The idea of getting him into the car is so that he will show the direction to his house. Oh. Okay. Because okay. Swami wanted to go to his house. Wow. Huh. But he was so shocked by all this, and he was dumbstruck. And Swami gave the direction to his house, and Swami said, "Go this way. Go that way." and he was apparently living in a slum so most probably swami wouldn't have been able to go into that slum with the car but swami took him and went exactly to the hut where he was staying with his okay. children and his family and swami goes in and swami pulls a plank and swami sits there and he runs and you know buys some bananas and he comes in opposite to swami and swami accepts it swami eats it and swami spends some time there blesses them and he goes kasturi narets how that house in the slum becomes the shrine later and all the people come to his house and say that wow. you know god himself visited your house and you know this is what swami was doing because at one side the princely family of mysore and chincholi and you know all these places they start coming but at the same time swami is also visiting these kind of people and you know not only did swami exhibit tremendous goodness such goodness from swami also inspired goodness in others during one of the trips when swami had been to mysore mm-hmm. at that time you know he had been there during dasara time because they had told him that the dasara procession at mysore is very famous that was the time when swami also visited the krishna raja sagar dam okay at that time it was called kannambadi mm-hmm. kannambadi katte which means the dam at kannambadi mm-hmm. so during that time swami attended the wedding of one devotee called sumitramma Okay Sumitrama was being married and she was also from a very poor family mm-hmm. and so imagine she was the bride but she hardly had anything on her in terms of ornaments or jewels because she could afford nothing Okay So when Swami attended along with Swami were his devotees who attended when they saw this they were they were so moved that the ladies who had come along with Swami you know for the wedding mm-hmm. they were more grandly dressed than the bride so they immediately took out their jewels and offered it for the bride to wear and you know what after the marriage they refused to take it back they told the bride to keep it <laughs> this was the kind of goodness that swami aroused in people also so as you rightly said on one hand were the dramatic miracles on the other hand were uh, these kind of moments where people felt that this kind of love and compassion only god is capable of giving and such was the story even of karnam subama we have spoken fact, so much about exactly because that even as you're narrating this no that was a combination of both of these things hmm. you know where swami's love was shown at the same time swami could do what swami could do only swami could do correct you know this all dated back to the time when subama actually took a boon from swami hmm. in one occasion where i think when swami must have been staying in her house hmm. she said swami i want only one boon 
that at the time of me passing away hmm. you should come and offer me few drops of water because hmm. you know that is considered a very auspicious thing that before you die you're given uh, ganga tirtham usually you know waters from ganga is given and one more point here prem uh, this is usually done by the sun by the sun right and uh, we know last time we narrated how swami told both the ladies karanam kamalamma and subama that you know you will not have children but i will be like your son right and swami had also told them that this son of yours will give you a lot of difficulties <laughs> but he will redeem you also <laughs> today when i read that when i think of it what a loving and magnificent promise it shows that our swami is so loving that he is ready to give the whole universe for a little love and hardship that you bear for him and you know that was the time as we said she was ailing uh, when swami's uh, no old mandir construction starts and swami is in uh, this that time it was a new mandir <laughs> yeah that time it was the brand new mandir actually uh-huh. the first mandir for swami uh-huh. and uh, swami was in all these places machlipatnam and madras and all that and she was becoming more and more sick mm. and you know she was staying in bukapatnam in her mother's house and relatives started coming to visit her mm. and for to their irritation you know they found that she was constantly even in delirium only talking about swami mm. and you know she would talk about the visions she had that mm. was the first time they were all hearing about it you know swami had given her the vision of krishna swami had given her the vision of shirdi baba many times and even in that state of delirium she was not talking about she had an adopted son whose story also comes later but she was not talking about any of them she was not talking about her sisters who were around her her mother who was with her, her mm. you know brothers and everybody she was only talking about swami and this was irritating those people you know then they would tell her that you know the man the boy who you whom you considered your son and you spent all your life with he's not even by your bedside when mm. you're about to die and even now which instead of you know concentrating on your family you're thinking about that boy mm. now what madness is this but she says no you won't understand and it happens like that and with time they realize that she's passed away mm. and swami is not around and they all know about this promise which swami has given her mm. and what kasturi writes is that there was such a glow on her face that they didn't have the you know heart to actually cremate her they were okay not confident yeah in spite of her having passed away in spite hmm. of her being declared dead they felt that you know there's something some glow in her and maybe they should wait and swami was actually in tirupati hmm. at that time and uh, swami was in tirupati the moment he heard the news swami came back to madras and swami drove straight to bukapatnam and by then actually 3 days had passed hmm. and you can imagine 3 days and in fact swami would narrate in the years to come later that even ants had started coming into the body hmm. you know that's how dead she was and swami comes in and uh, swami would narrate that incident you know when swami comes to bukapatnam there was a washerman he comes crying and falls at swami's feet he says hmm. swami subama has left us subama has left us ah. okay a very very heartbreaking scene he wails and he falls at swami's feet he said what subama where is she gone take me to her swami says and swami is taken into the house and there she is lying you know they they put her on the floor as i said and ants ants have started coming and she's ready to be taken to the the graveyard and she's been ready for two days and swami walks in there and swami calls out subama subama and the moment swami says that she opens her eyes wah wah okay. what and a scene swami hmm. goes and sits by her side and so tenderly she picks up swami's hand and starts stroking swami's hand hmm okay and all no words are exchanged 
you know Swami is just smiling at her and she's stroking Swami's hand and Swami takes his finger and takes it to her mouth and Swami doesn't have to say anything she just opens her mouth mm. and few droplets of water actually emerge from Swami's fingers mm. and go into her mouth and you know what more can a devotee ask for and what more can a devotee get than this really prem they say that you know the way a person dies is evidence of how a person has lived and the beautiful and so such a i don't know what to say wondrous manner in which karanam subama got her death definitely speaks volumes about her life that is why i remember you know in recent times when some of the students from the institute they put up a burra katha right. on mother ishwaramma they sang out mother ishwaramma story and swami asked what about subama when swami himself asked what about subama so for the next time when they had to do this burra katha on ishwaramma they added a song that was specific on karanam subama and when they performed that again swami asked what about subama this time the boy said swami that song here we sang about karanam subama and the boy later narrated that swami's face was as if he expected an entire burrakatha itself on karnam subama so that day swami told them did you sing that song go sing that song again <laughs> so after the performance got over those three boys came up on stage and sang just that song dedicated to karnam subama once again so definitely a great lady karnam subama and in fact you know we should listen to that song such a beautiful song and i'm sure we all remember that scene when swami came really tender when that song was sung you know yeah. swami was emotional and we all were emotional with swami when we heard that because we've heard these stories of subama that is one thing prem before you play the song you know swami says anything you do for god is never ever forgotten for lifetimes to come you know swami told one of my classmates in an interview mm-hmm. he told him that see any person who offers their life to god in the youth that is swami compares it to the leaf served with food right he says offer to god when it's fresh not after it has been torn asunder by everybody and everything offer that and after that you'll have right to demand and god will be by you always and this has been the subject of many stories many songs there is also one more song sung by anup jalota ji in which he says prabal prem ke paale padkar prabhu ko niyam badalte dekha having read the stories of great love i have always seen lord changing the rules of the game apna maan tale tal jaye par bhakt ka maan na talte dekha he has even put himself to shame but he has always protected the dignity the honor the respect and the word of a devotee the lord does everything for the devotee and that is why you know it is not selflessness that we offer everything to the lord it is in our own interest that we offer everything to the lord because it can't find greater sanct- you know sanctification and how many times swami has referred to subama and said just like how yashoda was to krishna subama, subama was. was to me and I- in fact this in- incident of subama passing away happened before the uh, patamandir right. what you we know. today know as patamandir could be completed right. i felt that that was one mandir of swami that broke down before that mandir came up because swami <laughs> says you are my temple and i live in the heart it also shows that maybe swami did not want to come and live separately as long as she was there away from her home right swami had uh, an abode for himself only after she actually left her mortal coils 
we'll listen to that very very beautiful song and uh, we'll bring this satsang to a close after that karanam subamma amma nuvu pettaniya bharanam amma karanam subamma amma nuvu pettaniya bharanam amma ధరణిలోనీకు కరణం సుబ్బమ్మనగరు ధరణిలోనీకు కరణం సుబ్బమ్మనగరు భరణంగా ఇచ్చినారు స్వామి ధన్యురాలివమ్మ కరణం సుబ్బమ్మ అమ్మా నువ్వు పెట్టని ఆభరణం అమ్మా ఆకలైన నీవు తినక స్వామి కోసమెదురు చూసిన స్వామి కోసమెదురు చూసిన యశోదవే యశోదవే నీవమ్మ అపరశబరివైతివమ్మ యశోదవే నీవమ్మ అపరశబరివైతివమ్మ ఆకలన్న వారికి అన్నము పెట్టి ఆకలన్న వారికి అన్నము పెట్టి అన్నపూర్ణవైతివమ్మ అన్నపూర్ణవైతివమ్మ కరణం సుబ్బమ్మ అమ్మా నువ్వు పెట్టని ఆభరణమ్మా నువ్వు పెట్టని ఆభరణమ్మ బ్యూటిఫుల్ సాంగ్ i think we should give credit to the singers also with so soulfully rendered song yes so and you know the feeling that the singers have embodied in their voice is because they were blessed enough to watch swami's emotions as he spoke about karnam subama the singers later confessed that having seen swami speak about subama with so much love they could not help but sing the song and render it the way they have rendered in very beautiful lines you know the first line meaning that you are such a precious jewel hmm. karnam subama and and you know there's a the mention of that karnam subama nagar also that swami honored you by doing that and the line goes that you know you never satiated your hunger till hmm. you satiated the hunger of swami and you fed everybody who came you saw everybody you saw swami as your child and so all devotees of swami were children to you the speciality of such devotees like karnam subama is that you know there is all of us devotees depend on the lord these are those few special devotees on whom the lord depended and they were worthy of his trust and his dependence very inspiring examples for all of us and you know during this time when subama was actually uh, exiting the scene there was another motherly figure who walked in and mm. who actually played a very important role in those few years and that was coffee pudi sakamma we mentioned her name and she was one of the pioneers during that uh, old she was called coffee puti sakama because she owned coffee estates coffee estates and she was known for her charitable nature in fact she was given a title by the mysore uh, maharaja i'm not <laughs> sure of that title some daya mani or something like that a title ah uh-huh. uh-huh, yes yeah which means that she is yeah she was one of uh, great charity and service charity and a lot of people used to come to her and ask for donations for the work they're doing and all that in fact that is how swami actually enters a house okay you know, one day she is seated in her bungalow hmm. and one of her attendants comes to her and says that a car has come into the compound hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, and there's a man sitting there, and he is refusing to take the car out of the compound till you come and see him. Okay. Okay, and she's surprised that you know what audacity is somebody drives into your property like this and demands a meeting with you. Mm. Okay, and so she walks down and she goes to the porch, and there she sees a very very old car. Mm. Okay, I don't know what kind of 1940s. What is an old car? I don't know. And she <laughs> says, you know, there's a very old car, and an equally old gentleman sitting there. Hmm. you know there's a tiger skin spread on the seat and hmm. this man is sitting there hmm. quite an elderly person with a very grave looking beard and then she says that you know there's a person sitting in the driver seat a driver a boy looking younger than maybe 16 years hmm. and the very lean and very uh, thin she's wondering how come this boy got a license to drive the car at this okay. age you know these are the thoughts which are running in her mind and in the car i think there's a message which says kailash committee oh that's the board on the car board on nameplate the car. of the car right it says kailash committee so when she goes up and this man is there and he says that i run this kailash committee and he says that we do these kind of things and charity and all that i have come to you for a donation of 1000 rupees and she says yeah very gladly i think she invites him home and you know she offers hospitality offers food and all that and when he says this she says yeah readily i'm uh, ever happy to give you all this so he prepares a note saying that i so and so coffee mm-hmm. police akama whatever and i'm giving this sum of 1000 rupees to this kailash committee for carrying out the charitable work and she signs it and she brings the money and uh, this old man says that yeah you keep it with you i'll come and collect it later Okay. Okay. She finds that very weird. You know, somebody comes to your doorstep asking for a donation, and after you make the donation, he says, "You keep the money. I'll come and take it later." Hmm. And she says, "Okay, fine." And uh, I think after that incident happened, by which she came to know of Swami, and she came to Puttaparthi. And the interesting thing was when she first saw Swami, she felt that Swami had the features of the driver and that old man. <laughs> okay. And sometimes Swami appeared like that driver, that thin boy, and sometimes Swami looked like that elderly man who came. But the first time when Swami came to her and interacted with her, Swami said, "Give me that thousand rupees which you owe me, which you promised to give me." Mm. And that is how she comes to Swami, one okay. of those very early devotees. Because she was also one of the leading uh, people to help in the construction of what we call today as Patam Mandir. That time it was the Kotta Mandir, the new <laughs> Mandir. You know, this hall that was built was about twenty feet by ten feet in size. Right. Swami was there supervising the construction all through. It was in November that Karnam Subama passed away. Mm-hmm. It was sometime in December that the mandir got ready. And when it got ready, you know, by that time they were, as we said, you know, families coming from different places. So in Bangalore, by that time, mm-hmm. there was a Satisai Mandali that had formed. Right. It actually started with. Sishigiri Rao and his family. Okay. The family. That's how even the Akhanda Bhajan starts. After they visit Swami and after Sishigiri Rao stays back, they go back and start this Bhajan Mandali. Correct. So like this Mandali had formed, and this Mandali, you know, took upon itself the responsibility of conducting this inauguration of the Mandir. Okay. So in in fact, there is a. copy printed copy of that invitation also mm-hmm. which swami wrote in telugu mm-hmm. which was later translated into english and published and there were errors you know in the spelling mm-hmm. typographical errors so they put those uh, corrective marks white marks okay okay point, i mean uh, right in the in the invitation itself pointing okay. marks and <laughs> corrected it so you can see that that was how the in, uh, invitations were made and in that invitation it was written that the satya sai baba mandali mm-hmm. 
consider it an honor to invite your presence bhakta mandali is it bhakta mandali yeah right. bhakta mandali say so, baba bhakta mandali for the uh, griha pravesham <laughs> of the mandir and that took place on the 14th of december 1945 which happened was to be the vaikuntha ekadashi day right wow in fact you know before this another interesting incident happened i think maybe quickly we can read that hmm. when swami went to chennai okay you know, where swami had began the work for another mandir actually <laughs> okay in fact in in that trip 1944 there was this person by name loknath mudhalyar okay okay and he actually owned a piece of land in in a place in chennai which is still there it's a place called gindi Oh, the Gindi Shirdi Baba right. Temple. This is the story of the Gindi Shirdi Baba Temple. Ah, okay. And the foundation for that, in a sense, started ah. during Swami's visit in that year. Oh, oh. You know, when the uh, Patamandir was being built, Swami was actually laying the the route to the Shirdi Temple, the first temple in anywhere to have a idol of Shirdi Baba. Really, Prem? You know, nineteen forty nine Shirdi Baba idol was installed at Gindi. It was in 1964 only that Shirdi itself Shirdi itself got a got a idol. idol of Shirdi Baba. In fact, you know the very interesting incidents happened. He owns a plot of land in Gindi huh. from his father's time, and it seems there was a person who was staying there, a very very realized soul, hmm. uh, Siddha Purusha, who was staying there. And he actually, when he was passing away, he was given a samadhi there near that land. Hmm. And before he passed away, he said, "A shrine for a very very great soul is going to come here." Okay. Beside my samadhi, that's what he had professed. Mm. But after he passed away, there was another occult practitioner who came and took over that land. You know, he would stand there. He would practice all his uh, black magic there and all that. This was the time when the son took over. The Loknath Mudalyar is the son. So he was trying to get this man out of the land, but he couldn't. So finally, he approached the court and got a court order, and somehow managed to get this man out. When this man was forced to leave that way, this occult. practitioner he said uh, you've got me out of this land so i curse you that from tomorrow you'll be a madman oh okay and he leaves and loknath mudalyar doesn't make much of this and he goes back home and exactly as that man said the morning he wakes up as a madman hmm okay he's running around the house he's shouting and the people don't know what to do and they take him to the nearby mental asylum and the doctor says that yes he's completely mad you'll have to admit him in the asylum his wife you know she's shocked to hear this because you know overnight he's just become mad and she fears that putting him in the asylum might be a wrong step you know he might just deteriorate with that hmm. so she pleads with the doctor for one day she says just one day just let him come and stay at home if this madness continues even the day after then we'll come and put him in the asylum hmm. okay so he goes back home and you know he's in that few hours he is actually shouting screaming running about and at one incident they try to put him down they make him sit at that point he dislocates his knee hmm in the process but still he shouting screaming and all that okay. and finally they manage to put him to sleep hmm and in the middle of the night he wakes up at around 2 o'clock okay and they feel that oh god he's going to start again but he's again back to his sane self hmm so he calls his family he calls his wife and he says i'm cured and he says a young man wearing a chilly red robe hmm a very thin very very charming looking man he mm. came and he cured me he mm. said my madness is gone wow okay and they really surprised at this thing and they say oh god himself has come in this form and they all go to sleep and the next morning he comes and he is still tired and as i said he is dislocated his knee and he's been shouting and jumping around the whole day he's still tired and suddenly in the morning early hours of the morning 
a car comes stops in front of the house hmm. and the same man dressed in chilly red robe and charming just walks in okay. as he knows this house you know he's been visiting this house ever so often and swami walks in there hmm. and he comes to mudalya and mudalya is shocked because he's seeing the very form which came in his dream and cured him is hmm. actually coming in flesh and blood wow and swami walks to his bedside and swami tells i actually cured you yesterday i just came to tell you that you're cured you don't have to worry anymore wow so this happened in 19 yeah during that 1944 when swami visited uh, you know i don't know if it's the same but in that book called sai baba man of miracles by howard murfit right there is a mention of this yes it is Gindi. the same loknath okay the black magic that is done on him right. and how he is of and course in fact, the swami name actually, is not mentioned there right in fact what swami does after that is swami gives them the cause for why you know he has happened swami materializes vibhuti gives it to the wife and he says you go to the same land such and such a spot okay you will find a spot where there's uh-huh. a broken pot hmm. you search for that spot and dig there there you will find the carcass of a goat and a chicken yes okay this man has done a black magic there you put this vibhuti there swami materializes a lemon and he says you keep it under your bed and you sleep for a few days you're absolutely fine don't worry you know all this swami does just to show us that's all i mean by just willing it he could have made that happen <laughs> but he does it so that we enjoy his leela and become part of it so that we can have an afternoon satsang talking about exactly exactly so dear listeners that is where we will leave today it's the 14th of december 1945 the holy day of vaikuntha ekadashi and that was the day when you know just briefly taking half a minute swami was brought in in a procession they carried him in a palanquin <laughs> and that is how swami began to occupy the premises of the patamandir he was the sole occupant there and his schedule consisted of getting up in the morning he would clean up the whole mandir and then he would <laughs> deck the two statues there were two pictures one of himself and one of shirdi baba he would worship he would light incense he would light the lamps keep everything and once everything is ready he would also have had his bath and he is also ready and he would sit and wait for the devotees to come after which he would start the bhajan singing session in <laughs> fact he would sing the bhajans he would lead the bhajans because nobody knew how to lead bhajans and when there were people who could not even follow bhajans swami himself used to sometimes lead and follow as well <laughs> well all those are glorious stories which we will take over and what follows is the beautiful time people had during that patamandiram days you know that's another glorious period in swami's life but for that we need to wait we definitely are eager to bring you those stories which come as part of satyam shyam sundaram till then we take leave of you and we thank swami and offer our gratitude to him for giving us this opportunity sairam you just heard an episode of our radio series afternoon satsang this is a discussion between radio sais prem and arvind on different spiritual topics and the topic of today's episode was satyam shivam sundaram the life story of bhagwan sri satya sai baba this was first featured as part of radio sai's thursday live at 12:30 pm on june 27th 2013 we hope you enjoyed it your comments and suggestions are very important to us please mail them to listener@radiosai.org Next week same day same time will be the continuation of today's episode stay tuned thank you and loving sairam from prashant nilayam <laughs>